Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. Macy's Star Money Bonus Days are happening now. It's a special time when Star Rewards members earn bonus points and get to their next reward faster. You'll get $10 in star money for every $50 spent with a Macy's card or $10 for every $100 spent as a bronze member. Shop spring styles and get rewarded with star money. Now through April 18th, Macy's Star Rewards. It's how we love you back. Visit Macy's.com slash star money for exclusions and details. Sox fans, this is the Sox Machine White Sox Wake Up Call for Wednesday, July 31st, 2019. I'm Josh Nelson. Last night's White Sox game had a lot of intrigue leading up to it. As we approach the trade deadline, which is at 3 p.m. Central Time today, Noah Syndergaard was on the mound for the New York Mets, even with the rumors swirling around him that he could possibly be traded. Was he going to make this start? Well, the Mets did have a contingency plan just in case in that they pulled Irving Santana from his AAA start. Yes, that Irving Santana who bombed with the White Sox back in April. Syndergaard did make the start, and if this was an audition for him to be traded, To another team, well, he aced the audition. White Sox hitters had a terrible time getting anything going offensively as they didn't record their first hit against Syndergaard until Ryan Goins doubled in the fifth inning. Part of the White Sox offensive struggles is they lost Yohan Mikata early in the game. After fielding the final out in the first inning, Mikata limped off the field, and after meeting with the trainers, his night was done. The White Sox are reporting that Mikata is day-to-day with a right hamstring tightness. This news coming after the fact that Aloy Jimenez just returned this past Sunday, and Tim Anderson was back making his first appearance since June 28th. So the White Sox, even though they get two of their core pieces back, they may lose another one due to injury. So while Syndergaard was keeping the White Sox off the scoreboard, Ronaldo Lopez flirted with danger in each inning, but was able to keep the damage limited, only allowing two runs over five and a third innings pitched. 
He didn't go deep into this game because he was already at 103 pitches when he was pulled during the sixth inning. Evan Marshall and Aaron Bummer helped carry the load through nine innings for the White Sox. Then things got interesting in the eighth inning. Down two to one, Yomer Sanchez singled to right field. At first, it appeared that Adam Engel was going to lay down the sacrifice bunt, which again is a bad idea because you decrease your odds of scoring a run in the inning by giving up an out. You have a more likelihood to score a run with a runner on first, nobody out, than a runner on second with one out. Luckily, Engel missed on the first attempt and swung away, and he hit a single to left field. Sanchez tested his odds by trying to reach third base and got hit in the back by the throw. He he ended up being safe, and Engel moved up to second base. So this ended up being a great result for Rick Renteria instead of having Adam Engel sacrifice bunt a runner from first to second base. And the White Sox were in business with no outs. Then Lurie Garcia tried to lay down a squeeze bunt to tie the game. He failed. John Jay facing Justin Wilson tried to lay down a squeeze bunt, but instead popped it up, and it actually landed in front of Peter Alonzo. And Alonzo had Sanchez dead to rights at third base, but he didn't make the throw. He just ate the play. That allowed Jay to reach first safely in a bizarre move, and the White Sox now had the bases loaded with one out and Jose Abreu coming to the plate. Mickey Calloway replaced Wilson with Seth Lugo, and Lugo just kept challenging Abreu with his 96-mile-per-hour fastball. And on a full count, Abreu hit into the 5-4-3 double play, ending the threat. Lucky for the White Sox, Edwin Diaz tried to close it in the ninth inning for the Mets. Goings again got things going as he walked to lead off the ninth inning as Diaz was wild early. Eloy Jimenez struck out on three pitches because he was swinging at everything. And if he were more patient, maybe he would have walked. James McCann was next, and on a 3-2 fastball, Diaz missed high and inside. McCann was first hit by his front shoulder, and the ball bounced off his helmet. At first, it was a very scary scene, but McCann quickly got up, brushed himself off, and jogged to first base, not needing to see the trainers, and the White Sox had runners on first and second. Diaz would throw a wild pitch to move Goings and McCann into scoring position for Tim Anderson. Anderson would convert by hitting a sacrifice fly to center field, allowing Goings to tag him up and scoring the game tying run. It was 2-2. Two to two. After Diaz intentionally walked Yomer Sanchez, yes, you heard that right, the Mets intentionally walked Yomer Sanchez, That ended up working because Diaz struck out Adam Engel to end the ninth inning and send the game into extra innings. In extras, Alex Colomay boosted his trade stock by throwing a clean 10th inning, including a strikeout. Jose Ruiz and Josh Osage handled the 11th inning, and they had the opposite result. Osage gave up back-to-back home runs to Jeff McNeil and Michael Conforto, the latter hitting his home run over the Goose Island in right field straight to the concourse, one of the biggest home runs allowed at Guaranteed Rate Field's history, and they gave the Mets a 5-2 win. Yomer Sanchez was 2-2 two for two with two walks and a stolen base, so good night for him. Tim Anderson was 0-3 for three with the sacrifice fly in his first game back. Eloy Jimenez was 0-5 for five with four strikeouts, 
and Syndergaard went seven to third innings, allowing just five hits, one run unearned, striking out 11 while walking one batter. I'm sure every team in baseball needs a pitcher like Syndergaard, but let's see what the Mets do as the trade deadline is nearing. The White Sox are 46 and 58 on the season, and they are 4 and 14 since the All Star break. Tonight, it's a marquee pitching matchup. It'll be Jacob DeGrom for the Mets against Lucas Giolito. Thankfully for Giolito, the Mets don't have Nelson Cruz on their roster, who tormented the White Sox starter in his last outing, hitting three home runs. Giolito is at 3.5 war, according to baseball reference, with a 3.51 ERA. So this season has been very successful for him. But I'm sure Giolito would like to prove he can go toe-to-toe against the reigning National League Cy Young winner. DeGrom is already at 4.4 war on baseball reference with a 2.86 ERA, racking up 163 strikeouts and 129 innings pitched. This is going to be another long night for the White Sox offense. So hopefully Giolito can keep it close until the Mets bullpen is called upon. First pitch is at 7.10 p.m. Central Time on NBC Sports Chicago, where you can listen to the game on the radio at 7.20 WGN AM. Down in the minors, the Charlotte Knights continue to win as they are now 57-51 on the season, beating the Norfolk Tide 15-5. Luis Robert went 3-5, for falling a home run short of the cycle as he drove in two runs. Zach Collins was 2-5 for with two doubles and six runs batted in on the night. That's a good sign because after 11 extra base hits in the month of April, Collins only had 11 since then before last night. So he has 13 since April during his time at AAA. And I know that it also counts the time that Collins was in Chicago and he missed a lot of play in AAA. And we all know that he didn't get a lot of bats with the White Sox, but May and the bats that he had in June and so far in July, since he's returned to AAA, there hasn't been a lot of power that Collins has showed. His April has been carrying a lot of weight for his AAA number. So it's good to see that we're starting to see a little bit more of those extra base hits. Uh, but again, he he only has nine home runs on the season, and he hit six home runs in the month of April. Speaking of promotion cases, uh, Danny Mendek hit his 14th home run of the season as well for the Charlotte Knights. The Birmingham Barons lost one to nothing in a game that only featured five total hits. Blake Rutherford had one of those hits as he went one for four. Alec Hansen struck out four and one in third innings, but he also walked two. Blake Battenfield got the tough loss. He pitched six and two-thirds innings, allowing just two hits, one earned run with a one walk, but he did strike out three. It was Steel Walker's birthday yesterday, and he celebrated in a grand fashion going three for four with two doubles. Now, in his fourth at bat, it appears on video that Walker actually hit a home run, but the home plate umpire called it foul, and Walker would later strike out in that at bat. Part of the downfall of playing in the Carolina League is that there is no instant replay, even though many college conferences have installed instant replay last year. Craig Didilo went two for four for the dash. Around Major League Baseball, we finally got a big trade. It's a three-team deal that sees Cleveland trading starting pitcher Trevor Bauer to Cincinnati. Now, 
the San Diego Padres got themselves involved. So let me try to keep things straight on who gets what. In exchange for Bauer, Cleveland is receiving Yasiel Puig from the Cincinnati Reds, plus friend Mill Reyes and Logan Allen from the Padres. So the Indians are getting two outfielders and a starting pitching prospect. The Reds are getting Trevor Bauer, and the Padres are getting Taylor Trammell, a top 40 prospect from the Reds. There are more details that have to be ironed out, but it's a very interesting trade by these three teams. The Reds get another frontline starter for the rotation, maybe a move that helps them more in 2020 as nobody really expects them to make a late run here in the National League Central in 2019. The Indians needed outfield help and they got two of them. Reyes is not good defensively. A lot of people believe that he's going to be a full-time DH, but he can mash. And we know Yasiel Puig can take care of right field for the Cleveland Indians. The Indians get two everyday outfielders from this deal. And Logan Allen is an interesting starting pitching prospect. And the Indians have had a lot of luck developing pitchers as of late. Mike Clevenger and Shane Bieber. And of course, we know all about uh, with Corey Kluber and Danny Salazar and Carlos Carrasco over the years. So maybe the Cleveland Indians really came out ahead in this trade. And the Padres, they get Taylor Trammell, who's struggling in A this year. But again, the Padres just add another top 40 prospect to their list and averaging out the rank, the prospect rankings for Fangraphs, Baseball America, and MLB Pipeline. The Padres now have seven prospects in the top 100, and they match the White Sox with five top 50 prospects. So if the Padres want to do something today before the trade deadline, they definitely have the prospect ammo to do something very, very interesting to maybe help them in 2020. Now, even adding more fire to that trade is what happened at the end of the Reds and Pirates game. So again, That trade happens during the game. Puig is still playing for the Reds, even though he has just been traded. So the Reds are down 11-4 in the ninth inning. Amir Garrett was angry at the Pirates, and he heard something from the dugout. Instead of ignoring it, he proceeded to run off the mound and started fighting with the entire Pirates team. Now, the Reds' teammates did show up, including Puig, who has never shied away from a fight. So the Indians traded Trevor Bauer in part of his antics, including throwing a baseball over the center field fence after his last start before he was getting pulled. And he's been traded partly for Yasiel Puig, who very well may get suspended for his actions during a fight in a game that he should have been not in after the trade was announced. Just complete madness so we'll see again how this all irons out Uh, but a very interesting turn of events as far as what happened with the big trade and Yasiel Puig's first impression on the Cleveland Indians now elsewhere around the league during the games the Los Angeles Dodgers beat up on Kyle Freeland and the Rockies nine to four the Dodgers are now 70 and 39 so they may have already won more games than the White Sox will this season so that's a sobering thought Paul Goldschmidt is on some kind of run as he hit another home run. He now has 25 on the season as the St. Louis Cardinals beat the Chicago Cubs 2-1. The Cardinals are back at first place with a one-game lead at 57-49, while the Cubs are 56-50. 
Vlad Guerrero Jr. hit his second Grand Slam this season as the Blue Jays beat the Royals 9-2. The Texas Rangers are really struggling as of late as now they dip below 500, losing to Seattle 8-5. Justin Verlander struck out 13 in seven innings as the Houston Astros blink the Cleveland Indians 2-0. That's good news for the Minnesota Twins, who grow their lead in the American League Central to three games, beating the Miami Marlins 2-1. The Tampa Bay Rays are not going away as they beat the Boston Red Sox 6-5 to remain in second place in the American League East, and they gain a game on the New York Yankees, who lost the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Bronx 4-2. The Phillies beat the Giants also 4-2. The Giants are at 54-53, and they are still a team to pay attention to if they decide to change their minds at the last minute to deal players away, including Madison Bumgarner. Atlanta had a hold on to dear life as the Washington Nationals made a late charge. The Braves ended up winning 11-8 as Adam Duvall hit two home runs in the game. The Braves have a five and a half game lead over the Nationals in the National League East. That will do it for this White Sox wake-up call. Follow us on social media as we'll be covering all the news this MLB trade deadline day at Sox Machine on Twitter or you can follow me at Sox Machine underscore Josh. Jim and I will recap the Mets series and any White Sox trade activity on Sox Machine Live on Thursday, August 1st. Have a great Wednesday, everyone. For SoxMachine.com, I'm Josh Nelson. Your business may be small, but you've got big goals. Brother Laser Printers can help you succeed, no matter the space, task, or budget. From crisp black and white to vivid full color, our printers offer affordable quality you can trust. Plus, fast printing and high page yields make them ideal for home offices and shared workspaces. It's no wonder Brother is the number one retail brand in laser printer unit sales in the U.S. With Brother at your side, go from small to do it all. Shop now at brother-usa.com laser. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.